0: Two weeks ago, on Vision Sunday, John Wright and John Bodley looked back over the last year and ahead to the year to come. And if you haven't heard that talk, I'd really encourage you to listen to it on our website. And in looking forward, John Bodley reminded us of a foundational Bible passage that in many ways is, it describes the essence of who we are called to be as a church. And the passage is... In Luke chapter 4, verses 18 to 19. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. In this moment, Um, in the synagogue in his hometown of Nazareth, as Jesus read from the Jewish scriptures and spoke from Isaiah 61, to his hearers, he was referring to the coming Messiah or the anointed one, the one who would set them free. So it it was a monumental moment. And over the coming weeks and months, we'll be unpacking various aspects of this passage and its significance for us. And today, I want to concentrate on those opening words: "The Spirit of the Lord is on me." The Book of Luke is one of four accounts of Jesus' life and ministry, and in um, in chapters three and four, Luke described how um, Jesus was baptised by his cousin John, how the Holy Spirit fell upon him, the presence of God fell upon Jesus at his baptism how Jesus was then sent into the wilderness where he fasted and was tempted by the devil for 40 days. He then returned to Galilee and he began his teaching ministry and he went from town to town and it culminated in him going to his hometown of Nazareth and his home synagogue. And he read those words from the scriptures, essentially declaring himself as the Messiah, the, the promised, who was promised by God. And throughout this narrative, from baptism to wilderness, from going from town to town, and then to the synagogue in Nazareth, the common theme that runs throughout it all is the presence of the Spirit, the presence of God. And from there, throughout his ministry, Jesus always operated out of the presence and the leading of God. And so today I want to spend some time exploring what it looks like to be a person or to be a people that live out of the reality of God's presence in and around us. And although I was already planning to speak on this subject today, before the the events that have unfolded in recent weeks in Asbury, Kentucky and other places... My hope is that what I say today may be helpful for some of us in the light of what we heard last week from Ollie and Debbie as they describe the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that has been taking place in Asprey and beyond, where a simple worship gathering of young people, of young students in a chapel in a university that started on the 8th of February continued for 400 hours continuously. Thousands came from across America and beyond, and the people encountered God's presence, where God seemed to be particularly moving in the lives of young people, something that's so needed as we felt, as, as we heard earlier on, who felt compelled to repent and to seek God's presence, and many experienced healing and a freedom and a sense of God's call on their lives. And as you listened to Debbie and Ollie share last week, if you haven't, then again catch up on the website. But as you listened, you may have responded in a variety of ways. It may be excitement at what God might be doing. It might be you were thankful to hear stories of young lives being changed. Equally, there might have been confusion as to why why would this be happening in one place, on one side of the world, and on the other side of the world, there are unfolding tragedies. Maybe doubt, or even it may be it's brought up pain about where, where you might feel in your own life you're not experiencing God's presence. Some of you may have heard the phrase that we often use in the vineyard, we are a people of his presence. Our church movement was birthed, that birthed when, in the mid-1970s, a bunch of um, Christian leaders, burnt-out Christian leaders, came together and simply started to connect with God in simple and intimate worship, seeking his presence. And so the call of the vineyard is and always has been to live in and out of God's presence and his leading. Because the story of humankind, the story of the Bible, is a story of the presence of God with his people. As Moses and the Israelites journeyed to the promised land, God's presence was located in the tabernacle, the portable sanctuary built at God's command. And the Ark of the Covenant represented God's presence among his people And at the centre of the tabernacle was the Holy of Holies, the place of God's dwelling. And it was covered by a veil. And no one was able to enter the Holy of Holies except once a year, and it was the high priest who was allowed to do that. And eventually, the temple replaced the portable tabernacle, and the presence of God again dwelt in the Holy of Holies. And then at the moment of Jesus' death, the veil in the temple was torn from top to bottom, representing the free access that was now available to all, to enter God's presence. And it's even that we now, we are described as the temple in which God dwells. And throughout the New Testament, which describes the fulfillment of the promises made by, made by God in the Old Testament through Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection, we see layer upon layer of God's outpouring of his presence in and around us. And it's a multi-layered presence that I want to briefly explore today to ask, what does it mean for us to be a people Of his presence. And so today I'm going to briefly explore three of those layers God's presence in me, God's presence in us, and God's presence in others. So let's start with God's presence in in me. Now, as we reflect on each of these elements, my hope is that each of us can take hold of two things. First, the truth of his presence, and also the encounter of his presence. In other words, the truth of God's presence in our lives is as important as the encounters that we have of that presence. A scripture that's been transformational for me over recent years has been Jesus' words recorded in John chapter 14, verse 23. Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. What a beautiful thing that Jesus is saying that he and the father come and they make their home with us. They set up home with you and me. And it's a profound truth that in the reality of the joys and the sorrows and the victories and defeats of life, Jesus is right there with us. And there's an invitation to each of us to step into more of that truth. Jesus and and the Father have made their home in me and you. He's that close. Recently, my friend Linda shared with me about an encounter that happened just a few weeks ago um, over in Whitebird. And um, she was... It's an account that happened with another member of our church, Victoria. Now, up till that the day in question, Linda and Victoria hadn't properly met like, physically, but during lockdown, they were introduced to one another through a, the pastoral care team and had been connecting together regularly on the phone. And uh, on the day in question which was a Wednesday. Linda was at Whitebird. And um, although she's, she often does go to Whitebird, she generally doesn't go on a Wednesday. And um, the only reason that she was there was uh, because she'd arranged to meet someone who then didn't turn up. And in Victoria's words, this is what happened for her. A few weeks ago, and my day off, as always, I wanted to spend some quality time with my Heavenly Father instead of it being so rushed. I had a lovely time, finished praying, then went to get on with my day. Within a matter of minutes, Linda came to mind, followed by this call to go to Whitebird. I don't recall it being audible, but there was some form of dialogue, because I felt so strongly convinced to go. I knew to trust that God had a plan, and I knew that something was most definitely going to happen. So while I was getting ready to go, I just talked to the Lord. I asked for him to be instrumental in organising Linda's day so we could spend time together. And then said, Amen, so be it. So I turned up at Whitebird, and there was Linda. Isn't that beautiful? And then Linda and Victoria have described to me what a precious time they had together, but the impact that that sense of God's presence had for them. So the encounter of God's active presence is a precious thing. It is such a precious thing. But I want to also pause for a moment and say that the truth of his presence is just as precious as the encounter. Back in 2016 my uh, my dad died and it was only a few years after having lost my mum to cancer. And the reality is that after uh, my mum died, I hadn't really properly grieved um, because things had very quickly moved on and, and as a family we were taking care of, of my dad who himself was unwell. So when my dad died, on the, on the surface I was okay, but internally it hit me really hard. And um, one, of the, one of the impacts of that was that I became particularly anxious in large gatherings, which wasn't ideal in a church the size of Trent. But this went on probably to one degree or another for a couple of years. And I remember a particular low point was at a family wedding. And I remember spending a significant amount of the evening reception in a toilet cubicle, just not wanting to be with anyone at all. And as I was preparing this talk that time of life came to mind, and particularly that evening. And as I thought about that evening, I don't remember any tangible sense of God's presence in that toilet cubicle. But what did happen over that couple of years and since was that God did and is continuing to do a deep work in me. And it started with the truth of his presence, you know, as I spent time just reflecting on the truth that Jesus and the Father, as I referred to earlier, have come to me and made their home with me. And over those years since 2016, God has taught me to spend time in the truth of his presence in a whole number of ways. But just, just, a, just a few is spending time in silence and solitude time quietly reflecting maybe on the truth of a simple piece of scripture, engaging with what, what some people call the prayer of examine, where you just spend time reflecting back over a period of time, maybe a day, and just noticing where was God present in the moments of that day. And as I've done so, I've increasingly encountered his presence, occasionally in powerful ways, but more often simply with an increasing deep conviction of the truth of his presence and the truth of his call on my life. You know, imagine if the person you most admire in the world came into the room where you are, what would your response be? Imagine if that person came to stay. Imagine if that person came and said, I'd like to live with you. Well, that's exactly what God says to you. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit want to set up home with you, with me, to walk with you in every moment of every day. The mundane, the dramatic, the joy, the pain. And so I think there's an invitation today to each of us to intentionally enter into that space of his presence. And from there, to encounter his presence. To welcome him to dwell with us. But for many of us, there is clutter of life. There's the clutter of competing narratives that we're listening to. There's the constant stimulation that we live with. That we simply don't take the time to acknowledge his presence. so, for some of us today... Then maybe the the question: Are you willing to declutter your heart and your mind to allow that to happen? So there's God's presence in me, but there's also God's presence in us. Jesus' last recorded words uh, were in Acts chapter one, where he said this: "We said this while he was eating with them. He gave them this command." Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for, my, for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And a few days later, as Jesus promised, on the day of Pentecost, God's spirit was poured out and the church was birthed. And the same Holy Spirit who was was on Jesus in that synagogue that we talked about at the beginning in Nazareth is present with us today. It's the same Holy Spirit who equips us to live the lives that we are called to live. Eleanor Mumford, who with her husband John oversees the international vineyard movement, said this, the church of God needs the power of God to fulfill the call of God in the world that God made. And that same power, that same presence, is with us when we gather in his name. Jesus said at Matthew 18, uh, starting with verse um, 19, again truly I tell you that if two, two of you on earth Agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. As we are here gathered right now in this moment, here in, a, in the room and remotely, God is in our midst. That's the truth. It's the truth of his word, it's the truth of his presence. A question for us today might be as I gather today with others, am I living as if it were true? Interestingly, when you hear about the longer story about what happened to Asprey just a few weeks ago, of what happened, it happened in a regular chapel meeting. They used to have, they have this regular chapel meeting at the end, people were invited to stay and worship, and that had been happening over a period of time, and as had been the case before. Some people stayed behind and they, they stepped into the truth of his presence and then the unexpected happened, the encounter that went on for 400 hours. But it was based on the truth of his presence. And when we gather to worship, we're invited every time to intentionally step into the truth of his presence. And as we do so, we make space For the encounter of his presence to happen. So, how often, when I, when you, when we gather with others in Jesus' name, do we do so in a way where we intentionally step into the truth of his presence, where we're then ready to encounter his presence? Sometimes it can feel confusing. You know, when, you know, sometimes at, at the end or at another part in a service, we might say, come Holy Spirit, because, because the implication of that could be that God's presence comes and goes. But I found John Mumford's explanation really helpful. The prayer, come Holy Spirit, doesn't imply that the Spirit of God isn't already present Rather, it's a deep petition from our hearts to experience more of God's presence. We want Him to reveal Himself to us. We want Him to come and speak to us. We want Him to love us and to find expression of His love for us and pour His love into our hearts. You see, when we gather in Jesus' name and as we welcome the presence of God's Spirit, we're entering into the truth of that presence. The presence of a holy God who is here right now. It's never a transactional space or it's never to be a transactional space. It's always a relational space with a holy God who is present by his spirit right now. A couple of weeks ago, I met with another friend and he described to me a trip that he had abroad last year. And the trip had been quite challenging for him and he, he also has a, a couple of underlying like health and con- heart conditions and on two occasions towards the end of the trip he'd experienced concerning symptoms such that the people he was with had taken him to the hospital, hospital to be checked out and they gave him the all clear and then he described to me what had happened next. The next morning, I awoke, and after a few minutes, these sensations all seemed to return, and I prayed desperately. Lord, what's going, on? what's going on with me? Am I anxious? Is this a panic attack? I then prayed, and silently in tongues, and sensed the Holy Spirit's peace come and touch the anxiety I felt. For the next couple of days, I took things easy. I was, I was however, feeling concerns regarding my return trips, trip so late on in the afternoon before my flight I texted a whatsapp group of which I'm a part asking them to pray for me saying I was concerned about my heart but, but also um, in terms of my mental and emotional well being they immediately prayed and within seconds of sending that text I was immersed in a deep sense of the Holy Spirit's presence falling upon me and the, the elements of fear and anxiety being all immediately lifted. It was one of the most amazing and joyful moments I've ever experienced, and the most instantaneous answer to prayer I've ever known. My return to the UK went very smoothly. You know, even as my, my friend gathered remote, remotely with a group of others through a WhatsApp prayer request. We're we're connected with some remotely today. God was there in the midst. How many of us are part of WhatsApp groups where we maybe multiple times a day see a prayer request with a, a simple prayer request? And are we conscious of God's presence in the midst of that space? Just this week, an online group that I'm part of have been praying for friends who are going through what is, seems to be an impossible situation at the moment. But the truth is that God is present in the midst. So, how God, might God be inviting us to step into the truth of his presence amongst us? It might be in this physical space that we intentionally step into his presence, it may be in those more remote spaces where we're separated physically, but we're joined by his spirit. It might be as we leave here today and go into the other spaces of our lives. So God's invitation is to step into the truth of his presence and in me and his truth of his presence in us. But finally, God's presence is also in others. One of the things that I admit that I sometimes wrestle with is when we celebrate the encounter of God's presence in one space... And then hear about the suffering in another space, maybe uh, the suffering of injustice or poverty or sickness or disaster. And there's the very real question, where are you, God, in that? You know, what are you doing? You may even have asked that question when hearing about Asprey. That at the same time that God's Spirit seemed to be poured out in Asprey, on the other side of the world, there was the outworking of the terrible earthquakes that had happened in Syria and Turkey. Where was God? And there's no simple answer that I can give to that today. It's a profound and it's a complex answer. But one part of it is the profound truth of Jesus' words in Matthew 25. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was ill and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you, a stranger, and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you ill or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, Whatever you did for one of the least of these, brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Where is God's presence in the midst of suffering? It is in and with those who suffer. The hungry, the sick, the stranger, the naked, the imprisoned. And this is a profound truth that Jesus invites us into to step into the truth of his presence in those who suffer, that we might also encounter his presence through those. The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And God is inviting us, I believe, today to step into the truth of his presence and the encounter of his presence in the poor, in the marginalised, before I close, I just want to just share with you briefly about uh, something that happened to me when I went to Sri Lanka uh, back in 2004. There was a bunch of us went there after the tsunami. And on one day we went to visit a leprosy hospital where there were people who'd had um, leprosy and it had been caught too late. So they had significant deformities. And I vividly remember going to sit with this old woman and we, we didn't have the same language, so we, we weren't able to talk. And the pastor that I was with just said to me, just sit, just sit with her. And we had some gifts to give. I gave her the gifts, and she took my hand, and she looked into my face, and I looked into her face, and we didn't say a word. And I don't know how long I, I sat there, but I can remember her face vividly right now. And in that moment, as I looked at her, I saw Jesus. And it was a profound an encounter with Jesus as I've ever had in a time of personal prayer or in a gathered worship setting. It's a profound thing, Jesus' presence in the poor. And so I don't think it's an option for me to, to look at my life and say, I want God's presence in me. I want God's presence in us as we gather but to ignore the truth of his presence in the poor. I don't think Jesus gives us that option. But God is the answer to every problem this world has. And it means that he's the answer to my problems, to our problems and the problems of the world around us. He's the only answer.